0: In 1960, Helen Joy Davidman, she died from cancer, and her husband, under the pseudonym N. W. Clerk, he published a collection of his reflections on grief and the associated trials that come with losing a, a loved one. And this book, A Grief Observed, was published two years after the author's death under his real name, his actual name, C.S. Lewis. And it's a raw and honest account of one man's journey through suffering. And he said, her absence is like the sky spreading over everything. For in grief... Nothing stays put. One keeps on emerging from a phase, but it always recurs round and round. Everything repeats. Am I going in circles or dare I hope I am on a spiral? But if a spiral, am I going up or down? How often will it be for always? How often will the vast emptiness astonish me like a complete novelty and make me say, I have never realized my loss till this moment. He says the same leg is cut off time after time after time. Throughout the book, Lewis comes to term with his grief, his suffering and his pain, and his faith. But as you read Lewis, two things are apparent. Suffering hurts. Pain hurts. Life can hurt. And suffering and pain are Inevitable. It's inevitable. Tim Keller said no matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we've put together a good life, no matter how hard we've worked to be healthy, wealthy, and comfortable with friends and family and successful with our career, something will inevitably ruin it. And the question we all ask is why? Like, why does life have to be this way? If God's good, why does he allow his people to experience pain and suffering? Why why is this happening to me? And this question, why, it's a question of purpose. Why is this coming? What purpose is there in my suffering if there's any purpose at all? Keller adds, in the secular view, suffering is never seen as a meaningful part of life. It's only an interruption. But he adds, Christianity teaches us there is purpose to it. And if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. For the Christian, the one who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is purpose purpose in your pain. If faced rightly. If faced rightly. What does it mean to face our pain rightly? I think it first means having a foundational understanding of God's character, of who God is, and what he is wanting to do as a result of that character in each and every one of our lives. Turn to James 1. Love seeing you guys open your Bibles, have that in front of you. We're going to be working through James 1. This is a passage that many wish wasn't in the Bible. Um, Sometimes quoted to us, which we'll talk about here in a second. Go to James 1. It's after Hebrews. It's after like, Galatians, Ephesians, all those books. James is the brother of Jesus. He's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's he's writing this letter to Jewish Christians, and these are people who are most likely experiencing some sort of suffering. He talks about poverty and persecution. There's illness happening at this church. And so these are people, he's writing to Christians, who are experiencing or have experienced pain or will experience some sort of suffering. They know what it's like to hurt. And he says this, look at James 1, verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Go back up to verse two. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Let's be honest. When you are going through a trial, this is one of those passages that gets quoted to us, Right? You're going through a bad, hey, consider it a joy. And if you're like me, that is very annoying to hear in the moment of suffering. You're like, get that, you know, consider it a joy that I've lost my job, the way to support, you know, consider it a joy that my child is sick right, right now, you know, get away from me with that mess. But some of our reaction to this passage is because of our misunderstanding of these words. So I'm going to have to underline a few words. Count it all joy. Underline joy. Joy here is not worldly temporal happiness, but a spiritual pure joy. It can be translated as consider it a pure joy. One commentator said, this term speaks of a state of being rather than emotion. Joy is a settled contentment in every situation. It's an unnatural reaction of deep, steady, and unadulterated, thankful trust in God. So this passage, is, this passage isn't suggesting that you just need to put on a happy face as the world crumbles around you. It says to consider it, to count it as joy. Think of it as joy, the imperative, this command, is more about how you should think about your circumstances and less about how you should feel about your circumstances. And I understand some, sometimes those things are tied together, but the idea is we should consider it. We should think of it as a joy. When you face trials of various kinds, underline various kinds, this means all types of trouble. There's gonna be little little, you know, pinpricks and little, little thorns and then you're gonna be impaled by a, a, you know, a log in life. Little trials, big trials. Consider a joy, here's the key word, when you face trials of various kinds. It's not a conditional statement. If it's rendered certain, we will experience trials, suffering, it's not if, it's when you face them. Some of us are completely caught off guard when suffering enters our lives. Like what the heck's going on? God, why are you doing this to me? Like this, why me? I've, I've said that. Why is this happening right now? This can't be, I've been a good boy. <laughs> This hurts, we, 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 get, we get blindsided when pain enters our lives. Have any of you, like, do you guys read Terms and Conditions? You know what I mean by that? That's not like a book. But like, Terms and Conditions, like, you, you know, you sign up for Netflix and then it, you have to read four pages of the Terms and Conditions and it's like, you know, don't... Uh, don't uh, copy these movies and sell them for profit. You know, give us your firstborn child. And, and you're like, you don't know what's in there. I mean, be honest. How many of you read through actual terms and conditions? None of you do. You don't know what you're signing. I think a lot of us, we've, we've maybe not really looked at the terms and conditions of the Bible. Can somebody read? I don't even want to read it up here. I don't. Know. Can somebody read 1 Peter 4.12? Can somebody read 1 Peter 4.12? The first person who gets there, I'll give you a gold sticker. Uh, you get some candy. You got it, Quinn? Go ahead. <laughs> got it. it's okay, there we go. Uh, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> when you get blindsided, don't get up and go, that's strange. <laughs> Because we're promised that it's going to happen. You're going to experience pain. Consider it a joy when you face trials. Now, we are lucky that James doesn't end it there. Because it would be very frustrating, right? If James ended it right there. You know, consider it a joy when life sucks. Like when things are terrible, you know, when you, hey, just consider it a joy and he doesn't walk away because we need a reason to consider a joy. Correct. And so that's what we get. Look at verse three for, you know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I like the term endurance there. Some of your translations have endurance. Here's the idea. You do not suffer in vain. Your pain isn't purposeless. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness, endurance. You can consider it. Think of it as a joy because God is at work talk about God's character and understanding it. God is sovereign. His hands aren't idle. He hasn't lost control. We sing the song, Jesus, take the wheel. He's not looking at his phone in that moment. He still has control of what's going on. He is sovereignly using our trials. It says he's testing our faith, proving the validity, the veracity of our faith. And these trials, this testing is a hot, fiery forge that produces endurance. I love what Piper says here. Faith is like muscle tissue. If you stress it to the limit, it gets stronger, not weaker. That's what James means here. When your faith is threatened and tested and stretched to the breaking point, the result is a greater capacity to endure. A lot of us have been there before. We go through a trial and we come out of that season able to take on other trials with greater faith. Sometimes lesser trials, sometimes greater trials, but we have a greater faith to endure and handle those trials. I, I read a great definition for endurance this week. Endurance, steadfastness is really just faith stretched out. It's faith that keeps going. It's faith in Christ that that doesn't stop. Endurance is more than just continuing to, to exist. It's continuing to exist in the same manner or better as before the suffering began. We trust God with our lives. We pray, we worship, and out of that faith, we sacrificially love, serve, give, care for, and build up others. Perseverance is continuing to do those things in faith when trials inevitably come. Our faith in God and its outworking doesn't cease. and Again, it doesn't mean to smile and act like everything is okay, But it does mean getting out of bed, putting one foot in front of the other and pushing forward faithfully while not giving in to despair, bitterness and anger. Do you you know what God wants for you? God wants you to know him and love him until this chapter of life is over. He wants you to know him and love him from that day till that day so that you can be with him and fellowship with him forever. And so this idea of suffering comes in to strengthen that endurance. I read this week, one of the things that God is doing when he tests our faith is he is preserving our faith. Think about this. This really kind of blew me away this week. When he lovingly brings trials into our lives, and he does so lovingly for all who are in Jesus, he's working in us. And in us, one of the greatest goods imaginable. When he tests us, he's taking action to keep us. And he keeps us not just by protecting our present level of faith, not just by growing, enriching, developing, and maturing our faith, but in testing our faith, he is keeping it alive. Because faith does not flourish when it lies untested. It atrophies when it goes unexercised. And in many cases, it eventually dies. In suffering, God is shaking you to make your faith unshakable. He wants to keep you. He wants you to persevere. And we, that happens when we face it rightly. For some, this, this shaking proves to be too much. Guys, I've seen time and time again this testing crush people and prove that their faith is circumstantial at best or hollow. You know, God, I, I got faith when things are good, but when the stuff hits the fans, my, my faith is to be revealed as lacking. I, I can't tell you how many people I have shared life with who have let a difficult circumstance drive them away from the Lord. This is too hard God isn't real and if he is he sure isn't good so I really don't want anything to do with him we must face pain rightly I think it's why Paul says this look at verse 4 and let steadfastness have its full effect let endurance complete its work Submit to the process. Understand that sometimes the best thing we can do in a trial is to not look for a way out. It's not fight the situation. There are times where we just have to let God work uh, because there's a lot of times where we can't control our situation and all that's going to lead to is desperation and despair, frustration, frustration. C.S. Lewis uses a great illustration here. He says, suppose that what you're up against is a surgeon whose intentions are wholly good. The kinder and more conscientious he is, the more he will go on cutting. If he yielded to your entreaties, if he stopped before the operation was complete, all the pain up to that point would have been useless. He says, what do people mean when they say, I'm not afraid of God because I know he's good? Have they never been to the dentist? And this is the idea. We have a good doctor doing painful work in our lives for our ultimate good. Sometimes it's best to be still, it's best to be patient and let him work. Let endurance accomplish all God intends for it. And look at the, look at the rest of verse four that you may be perfect and complete lacking and nothing. Strengthened endurance, steadfastness is not the ultimate goal for you in suffering. God allows trials to to strengthen your perseverance with the ultimate goal of making you mature, complete, and as he further explains, not lacking anything. Suffering has a way of sanctifying us. Suffering destroys the power of self-reliance. It exposes our self-righteousness. It forces us to rely on the Holy Spirit. God, I can't do this. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit are things like kindness, patience, gentleness. Suffering equips us to better love and serve others. It moves us to greater compassion. When you've suffered, you become more compassionate for those who suffer. It gives us a deeper insight into God's will and ways. In short, our suffering makes us like Jesus. Whole and complete, lacking in nothing. If if your goal in life is to be comfortable, if that's your goal in life, I just want to get comfortable, I want to make enough to be comfortable, I want to build a wall around my house, I want to do all these things to get comfortable, then suffering will enter your home and it'll be an intruder. It'll be something you fight, something you hate, something you defend yourself against. But if God has made you to become like Christ, that is his purpose for your life. You guys hear me when I say that? God's less concerned about your comfort and more concerned about you becoming like Christ. That's what God desires for you. And if If that's the reality, suffering can be our slave, our servant. Pastor Tabiti Anwabwile, I love saying that. I probably butchered it. But he said, God is as sufficient with our suffering as he is with his son's blood. Your suffering, Christian, is your slave. Your suffering is working for you to produce an eternal weight of glory Beyond all comparison, the next time suffering comes into your room, say, welcome, my slave, produce for me the glory that God has designed. Sometimes we grow when life is fun. You know, sometimes we grow when, you know, when you're young, you go on a mission trip. I really do think some, some lives are changed when that happens. I went on a mission trip, I fellowshiped and, and I served and a man who was, humbling. I got to see the way different people lived. I'm, I'm humble. I'm more thankful. Transformation can happen. Uh, you know, sanctification, growing in Christ-likeness doesn't always have to be a slog. Like, like, I hope coming to church and hearing a sermon from me isn't in your head in the category of suffering and painful <laughs> and, and difficult and challenging. And so, so, but I will say this, the deep Transformation, life changing transformation that has happened in my life. Life, I went into it one person, came out of it a different person. That sort of transformation came through pain, it came through suffering. The tuition for enrolling into the Institute of Christ likeness is our comfort because God has greater purposes for us. I experienced it this weekend. <laughs> this is going to be a very foolish analogy, and I understand that, but it's 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 real. So I'm coaching third grade uh, football. Offense looking great. Flag football, defense, atrocious. Uh, we lose by two points. Um, but I, I remember reading that they're not supposed to keep score in third grade. They're not supposed to put it up on the score. And I know some of you are like, "Oh, they should teach kids how to lose at that age." Uh, we can differ on that, but I just said, "Hey, the rule book says we're not supposed to keep score." Um, and I was—I wasn't like mad, but I'm a big guy, so even when I get a little frustrated, people will be like, "You're yelling at me!" And and so uh, you know, I said something to the, administ- the administrator and. she got scared and (laughs) I'm a psycho guys I got problems uh and so I call uh I call the the main guy and he's like I heard you did this this and I was like no that didn't happen like that but we're going back and forth and and yell and not yelling but talking (laughs) at at each other and I'm like dude just stick to the stinking rule book and and you'll be fine he's like well I know I may say that but but I think this is and I'm like you're going to create frustration and all this stuff. And, 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 you know, when you start feeling like a jerk when you're standing up for stuff. And, and so that call ends and I get in my car and I read the rule book and I'm wrong. <laughs> and I'm wrong. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated at this situation. I'm frustrated at my team. I'll be honest, the, 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 this, this league is very unorganized. I'm frustrated at that. Um, and so I call and, and, and I apologize, I'm in the wrong. You were right, I'm sorry. And, and so now, the past 24 hours, I've been really like, what is my problem? Like, why did I get so intense about this? Why did I get so frustrated? And some of you are like, because you're crazy, you're a weirdo. Um, none of this would have happened if we would have won. <laughs> you know what I mean though like winning doesn't bring about great introspection winning doesn't bring us to our knees and say God I I need you because something is off in my life something's broke that I have this sort of reaction Like winning all the time doesn't, doesn't drive us to put our face on the ground and say God I need you that only happens when we start to gain some else. <laughs> we learn through loss. Now, that's such a foolish demonstration. and In no way I'm saying the pain I experienced coaching third grade flag football is the same that you're struggling through with illness or the loss of somebody, but, but you get the point. God works through us in these profound ways when life isn't great. We have to look to him. We have to look in the mirror. We have to challenge ourselves. And in faith, we pray that God will grow us to become more like Christ. So that the next time I'm there, I'm more compassionate. I'm more loving. I'm more patient. That's what I'm praying for right now. None of this is easy. i am gonna be honest with you. None, this is... Not an easy passage to, to read and apply to our lives. In fact, some of you are like, I'm ready for this to be done uh, because I just, I, I, I'm, my life stinks right now. And uh, I just want to dismiss what you have to say and say, I don't, I, I don't like that God works that way count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. That is not easy to wrap our minds around but I'll say this, I'm not saying if you're struggling right now you should be there. Perfect peace, perfect contentment but, but here's what I will say, your joy The amount of joy you experience will depend on what you fix your eyes on in the midst of a trial. We can fix our eyes on the pain or on its purpose and what God is doing through that pain. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to acknowledge your pain. It's good to say, man, this hurts. It's even okay to say, God, take it away but we can't stop there. We can't just sit in that. It's okay to to, to tell others, man, I'm going through a rough time, but, but if we're there for weeks and months and years, and some people are there for decades just sitting there, our eyes are on this terrible situation or something that happened, we will miss out on all that is good. And we will miss out on an opportunity for God to grow us through that situation. It will lead to frustration, disappointment, anger, disobedience, and wandering from our good God. We must fight daily. Fight daily in the face of what feels like death. Because I know it feels like death. To keep our gaze on God and his purposes. God is sovereignly using your pain to fortify your faith and make you more like Jesus. He loves you. God loves you. He wants you to endure in your relationship with him, and he wants you to become like Christ for our good and his glory. Amen.